We can now continue the discussion we started yesterday on the minimum wage. We heard opposing views from local experts with the government here raising the minimum wage to 7,531 next year, a jump by more than 16%, but still lower than the target of 10,000 one an hour. Uh, Divided opinions worldwide on this kind of issue. And many Korean media outlets are pointing to the case of Seattle, Washington State in the United States, raising its minimum wage for businesses with 500 employees or more by more than 16% to $11 an hour in April 2015, then swiftly by more than 18% to $13 in January of last year, and then again by more than 15% to $15 an hour. Ben Zipra, economist from the Economic Policy Institute based on the other side of the country in Washington, D.C., specializes in the issue of minimum wage and joins us on the line. First of all, thank you for taking the time. Oh, thanks for having me on. So the longer term effects of raising the minimum wage, in your view, can you just share your expertise there? Yeah, sure. I mean, this is probably one of the most uh, well-studied topics in uh, economics uh, because it it has a lot of political interest, and it really gets at the heart of important questions about how labor markets actually work. And uh, because of that, over the last 15 to 20 years, there have been, at least in the case of uh, United States minimum wages, a kind of a plethora or just a, a huge outgrowth in um, studies of this topic. And what they find in general is that minimum wages tend to work in the sense that they tend to raise uh, the incomes of low-wage workers at very little cost to low-wage workers in terms of reduced employment opportunities. That's kind of the conclusion, I would say, of the the average study in uh, recent years on minimum wage research. And in my view, the best studies even show um, somewhat smaller to little to no employment losses uh, for low-wage workers, but relatively large wage gains. But the fear always presented to us is that smaller businesses carry the burden and jobs are cut. But, but you're saying the experience of this it works out differently. Yeah, I would say that it, on average that has not been the case for the kinds of minimum wage increases that we've typically seen in the United States. Of course, it's, you know, I think that you're right. It is a concern. Uh, you don't want to uh, price low-wage workers out of the labor market. Um, but it is important to kind of realize that just as when you raise the minimum wage, you know, you do make it more expensive to hire an hour's worth of labor. At the same time, though, on the other hand, you make it easier for employers to recruit and retain workers because you've raised the wage. And in the United States, at least typically, those two opposing forces have kind of balanced each other out so that there's very uh, little effect on the overall employment level of low-wage workers. Where do you stand in this debate of wage-led growth versus growth feeding higher wages? Uh, I think it's a very important concern that by keeping wages low, you do uh, perhaps uh, depress the kind of productivity-enhancing investments in the economy that you would like to see because uh, businesses are able to adopt a, a model where uh, of doing business so that labor is cheap. 
Now, when you raise the minimum wage or you raise wage standards, it may make it more expensive for those uh, businesses, and they may have a harder time competing in a higher-wage environment. But I think that the United States experience shows that even if it is difficult for those businesses and some of those businesses do go out of business, they're actually replaced by businesses that have an easier time competing in a high-wage environment. Looking here at the situation in Korea, the Minimum Wage Commission has set the cost of living per capita in an unmarried household at 1.75 million won a month, based on last year's figures. If the minimum wage goes up to 10,000 won, a worker could manage to earn 2.09 million won a month based on working 40 hours a week. So how do you evaluate the decision so far to raise the the minimum wage to 7,531, which is around 6.64 US dollars? A person would have to uh, work 40 hours to earn 1.57 million won per month, which is below that cost of living per capita. I think this is a perennial challenge for um, uh, policies, not just perhaps in in Korea, like you're explaining, Um, but also in the United States. We have struggled with uh, passing minimum wages that not only maintain a, uh, a minimum wage floor, but actually provide a living wage. So the probably the most, um, recent mainstream proposal for increasing the minimum wage is to raise the national minimum wage in the United States to $15 an hour uh, by the year 2024. So that's over a, basically over a seven-year time period, gradually increasing the minimum wage from its current level of $7.25 an hour to $15 an hour. And by that, by 2024, pretty much every place in the country, if you are a, um, a, a unmarried household uh, with a, a child, you will require to have a minimum wage of that level or higher if you want to actually uh, achieve a kind of basic level of sustenance in the economy. So this is a, this is a challenge not only for Korea, as you're explaining, but also a challenge for the United States. Thank you so much, Mr. Zipra, for joining us today. Uh, thanks for having me on. Great to have your expertise. Ben Zipra, economist from the Economic Policy Institute in Washington, D.C. But now we head to the University of Washington to get the Seattle experience already at $15 an hour. And apparently what we've seen after that was introduced, we've seen a reduction of the total hours worked by low-wage workers by about 9%, only raising their wages by 3%. So has it been worth it for them? Uh, it's not an entirely glowing picture, as we've just heard. So let's bring in Professor Jacob Vigdor from the Daniel J. Evans School of Public Policy and Governance at the University of Washington. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So just to clarify, this is relatively high, the uh, the $15 hourly minimum wage in, in Seattle. Uh, yes. Uh, it, Seattle is one of the first cities to put itself on a pathway to a $15 minimum wage. There have been several other cities and states that have followed them, but uh, the $15 level that we are at now for the larger businesses in Seattle is the highest in the country. And your team analyzed the impact of the minimum wage rise on low-income employment. Can you tell us what you found? Yes, we have some data available for analysis that cover uh, calendar year 2016, 
when the minimum wage in Seattle was as high as $13 an hour. And we found specifically that that increase to $13 an hour, which happened that year, was associated with uh, an increase in wages on the order of 3%, but a decline in the hours worked in these low-wage jobs by about 9%, uh, meaning overall the, the wages paid to these low-wage workers declined. But the likes of Ben Zipra, who we just spoke to, would argue that lower-paid workers also moved up into a higher-income bracket with the subsequent economic improvement. What would you respond we tried to assess that hypothesis by looking at low-wage employment. We started by asking the question, what's happening to jobs paying under $19 an hour, which would be up to $6 above the, the statutory minimum. We then tried to assess whether it made a difference to our conclusions to raise that threshold from 19 to 25. We tried thresholds as high as 40 and our conclusions don't change. So however you want to define the low-wage job market, uh, it looks as though the amount of work being done in that segment of the job market did decline in 2016. When we were speaking to a local guest yesterday about the situation here in Korea, they, they said that the lower minimum wage will have low-wage workers work longer hours because they have to sustain their livelihood. Is it a good thing then that labor hours reduced after the minimum wage rise if those workers simply don't have to work as excessively? I think for a worker in a certain situation, they may realize that they can now earn enough money to, to keep themselves uh, above water uh, with fewer hours, and they may it's possible that they would voluntarily reduce their hours. Um, the, the magnitude of the hours reductions that we're seeing in our data, however, are, are significant enough. Uh, we don't think that people would reduce their hours so far that their income at the end of the day uh, it goes down rather than up. Uh, but that is what we're observing in the data. Another potential negative, the impact on businesses that can't cope with the, with the blow to what might be a very small profit margin as things stand. Often smaller and medium-sized enterprises are in that category. So did we see negative knock-on effects like raising product prices where applicable or even some businesses going out of work? What we've seen in general, so the price data that we've collected suggests that there, there are price effects uh, only in a very limited sense. Uh, there are many businesses that face a lot of competitive pressure uh, to keep their prices low. Uh, for example, in the retail sector, many bricks and mortar shops have to compete with, with online providers like Amazon that will sell the same product, uh, but while employing very few workers. And so it's very difficult for a business like that to pass price increases on. We did find more evidence of price increases in the restaurant industry. Um, and you know another thing that's that's fair to say uh, there are many other possible margins where these businesses might adjust uh, to the extent that we've seen any uptick in business closures in Seattle. Mm. Uh, they've actually been offset by by business openings. So we get some sense that the type of businesses operating in Seattle are shifting over time to, towards businesses that are less labor intensive. But there's been no absolute reduction in the number of businesses. Can we portray a positive image of that as a encouraging survival of the fittest, or does it uh, just lead to tougher 
conditions for people uh, in various ways and, and to increase success of the big boys, the, the larger conglomerates and that sort of thing? I'd say that there, there are some, even some smaller businesses that are showing a way to adapt and to be resilient. So it, it is a positive story in that respect. Uh, but one of the ways in which these strategies are being pursued is just finding ways to use less labor. Uh, so, for example, a restaurant might decide that rather than having uh, a wait staff uh, that provides service at the table, they'll ask their diners to order at the counter and they'll ask their, their diners to, to take their own rubbish away and, and pitch it when they're done with the meal. Uh, you know, so the net impact is that that restaurant needs to have fewer workers on staff, uh, but they're still in business. So it, it is definitely a mixed story. But wages presumably do still have to rise, don't they? I mean, to, to keep track, not only with inflation, but to keep track with varying circumstances that affect what uh, might encourage people to, uh, to, to, to find themselves in a poverty trap. Yeah, I think that one of the trends we see in the Seattle labor market, Seattle is one of the more expensive cities in the United States, and even before the minimum wage increased in Seattle, we saw a phenomenon where the amount of low-wage employment was declining. And we don't think that it was declining because jobs were going away. We think it was declining because the workers were going away. It is very difficult to make ends meet in the city of Seattle if, if you're trying to find low-wage employment. And fewer people are trying to do it. What we think is happening is that there are fewer people moving to Seattle with an idea that they'll make ends meet with low-wage work. And many of the people who might have been here making a go of it have now decided that they're better off elsewhere. Interesting to better understand the, the local circumstances in Seattle behind that data. Professor Victor, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Oh, you're welcome. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Professor Jacob Victor out of the University of Washington. So we've heard from two Washingtons today, cross-country. And have you been convinced either way about a minimum wage hike here in Korea? Powder Sharp 1013 for 51 per message.